Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And welcome to the show. Um, want to give a shout out to Jeff who's listening. Peter, what is he drinking today? What is he enjoying while he listens to the show? Yeah, we got an email from Jeff. He's drinking a Prairie Session Ale called Bomb. What, what, what does it have in it? I don't know. The label is too small to read. He put it in the email, Peter. Look at the... <laughs> look at the end of the email, the writing, the words. What am I, a vicar? <laughs> Anyways, we'll uh, figure that out a little later. So, I uh, want to dedicate this show. Last, last time we dedicated to uh, the second and third responders, which I kind of feel bad about now because there was this big hub, big to-do in Washington about first responders and 9-11. Oh. And I thought, oh, so this is a, that was a clerical error. If you, <laughs> if you think <laughs> that we were trying to make a point with that, we were not. It was just me being funny. So today, I would like to dedicate our show to 53-year-olds. If you are 53 years old, this show is for you. And only for you. Only for you. This is for you. So, by the way, if you know of anybody who's special to you who is 53 years old. I mean, I was thinking of starting up a 53-year-old ministry. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, they're the they're the neglected age group, right? The, neg- the neglected demographic. Because every church asks this question, what can we do to reach out to young families? Right? Indeed. Who, who's reaching out to 53-year-olds? Nobody. Nobody. So, th- if you're 53 years old. And you feel neglected. This, this show, show is for you. Is for you. Not 52. You have to wait. Maybe someday. This is for 53-year-olds. So if you know anybody that age, please let us know. So that brings us to what we're sipping on today, Berg. I have no idea. All right. We this have is a, a surprise. I've got the Use a Vicar app today. Vicar is going to be our water sommelier. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've done for us as a special treat is... I've got uh, four different waters that we get to preview. Oh, my goodness. My, my This is my thought process, okay? It's summertime. You know, you're out on vacation, wherever, you need to grab some water, and you don't know which one to grab, right? Okay. You don't know which one. So, so no, we don't want to see what it is, Vicar. Okay, so pour it out there and then bring it into us. All right. Or you can do it in here. Just do it behind uh, the full pastor. All right. <laughs> Coming from our spacious toxin tasting studios. All right. So now you've got you've got four waters. Are we talking like different styles or different brands here? This is different brands. Different brands. Yeah. So it's oh, like boy. all of it is either you know spring or distilled or yes purified. It's all the same. It's Ooh. all well. I'm, I'm okay. I'm looking at this water. It looks awfully clear, right? Yeah. No odor. Good thing. Good thing. It's not Flint water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh let's try this. Yeah, it's our darn good. That is water. refreshing. You know, it, it's very flat, I would say. Incredibly flat. You know, it doesn't have a lot of nothing that you would notice. It has a little more H than O in it. Okay. All right. I'd say about twice as much. Yeah, so Santa would call this an O O O water. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, well, uh, our water, uh, how do you pronounce, sommelier? I would say so. Yeah. Well, he gets our second water prepared. Um, what you preaching on, Berg? Well, this coming Sunday is Trinity Sunday, and it's the most dogmatic Sunday of the church year. It's the only Sunday that is specifically devoted to a teaching, a doctrine, and that is the doctrine of the Trinity. And, uh, well, what is the Trinity? Well, it is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One thing I, I like to say is it's great theology, but horrible math. Yeah, that's one problem that a lot of people have, is that they come in with their own presuppositions, and then they try to make the Trinity fit mm-hmm. into what they know. So you get all these terrible analogies, which was done really, really well by... Uh, uh, Pastor Feeney, 
mm-hmm. uh, in his Lutheran satire video, Patrick's Bad Analogies. Yeah, by the way, if you want to watch something that's uh, that's very entertaining, you know, almost as enta- entertaining as this, um, please uh, listen to watch the <laughs> Lutheran satire uh, videos on YouTube. Okay, thank you, Vicar. All right, tell me what you think about this one. Hmm. Oh, that's the taste. Oddly, like the first one. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> let me let me try this again. I think this one's a little smoother. Has a little bit of a smoother texture. What do you think? Uh, yeah, sure. That sounds about right. Oh, that's 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 not bad. I, I would I would purchase this one if I was parched. Indeed. Yeah. By the way, this is uh this is very first world, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> You know, most I mean, people are happy to have clean water. Right. <laughs> so I, whenever you start dis- discussing the Trinity, the text for that Sunday is John chapter 3, verses, what, 1? One, 1 through 17. 1 through 17. Now, some of them have 1 through 15, and it just seems odd to leave out 16 out. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I, I think I extended mine to 1 through 18, okay. actually, just, uh, you know, because I'm that guy. Um, Vicar, I'm empty, by the way. Uh, so uh, here Jesus says, we speak of what we know, and you do not receive our testimonies. So who's the only one that can teach the Trinity? God. God, right. Right? God is the only one who can teach us about himself. And where does God speak to us? In the Bible. In the Bible. Right? And so what do we find in the Bible? We find that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are each persons. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to be a person? To be distinct from others. Distinct, to have self-consciousness mm-hmm. and a will. Mm-hmm. We see that Jesus has a will, right? Mm-hmm. He says to his father when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. The spirit also has a personality, right? He actually plums the mind of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the father has a personality. He speaks mm-hmm. very distinctly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have the oneness of essence, right? that Jesus and the Father are one. The Spirit is the Spirit of the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see this oneness throughout the whole Bible. In fact, right away in Genesis 1-1, which if you want to, you say it's terrible math, I say it's terrible grammar. Yeah. Because in the beginning, God, and God there is which Hebrew word, Vicar? Do you know? Um, Elohim. Elohim. Good job. Right. And what is interesting about Elohim? It's a plural noun. Right, it's a plural noun. But then what is create? The Bereshit, which is singular. Which is a third person singular, right? Terrible grammar. And yet, what is God teaching us here? That we we can't understand him, right? That he's plural, but one. Right. And so, really, the the thing that we should get when we read even the first uh, verse of the Bible is, fear God and love him because you cannot understand him. And, and people might wonder, well, what's the big deal about this? Why do you care? Well, I think it's a big deal in this way, is when you want to know God, you want to know the whole God. You know, if you want to know the Father, you have to know the Son. Right. And you can't know the Son without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And so, um, you know, the, the early church, they were very, very hard-lined on this. I think much more so than people are today because people are like, whatever. Right. Well, and yeah, they, because, well, first of all, we want to know God because we love him. Right. You know, you want to know everything, like when you're dating, you want to know everything about that person. And that's, well, almost that's everything. Well, and then after you're, and then after you're married, you know, <laughs> then you want to know even more about him, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the wonderful thing about God. The other thing is, is that God can't be love. Unless he's triune, mm-hmm. because if there is if there isn't more than one person, uh, then it's a self love, right? And this is the problem with the Mohammedans and with the heretic Jews today, right? Who think that God is one person? Because then there's no because Jesus. How many times times does Jesus say, "I love the Father,", the Father. right? And he does what he does. And if you he love me, cross, you also then love the Father. The Father. And he goes to the cross, not just because he loves us, but because he, he loves, loves his father. father. Uh, you need to finish up your water. We got, oh. we got, yeah, try number three. Uh, that, that was, a, I would, I would buy that water though. Would yeah, you? I would too. 
It's interesting that we're drinking water because what's the text? Uh, the text is uh, John 3. Right, which is about? Uh, being born of water and the spirit. Indeed. So, so nice, nice touch. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. So. <laughs> so excited. All right. I just can't hide it. <laughs> hmm. I think this one's going to be your favorite. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's oh all no, no, I, I do taste. There, there's more minerals in this one. I, I think. Okay. I like can, arsenic. No, just like a. <laughs> doesn't taste just plain to me. Like there's a little, little bit of, um, I don't know. The je ne sais quoi, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're keeping it classy here. We're we're really finding the the tastiest water here. Indeed. I mean, this isn't cold glacier water blessed by a shaman. Um, maybe. Maybe. Ooh. It's kind of that'd be outside of our budget. <laughs> Speaking of, where can they donate, or can they? We take cows and pigs and bartering <laughs> things. That's right. A uh, dozen eggs. Dozen eggs would work. How about how about if you'd like to support the show, talk to your local LCMS pastor. <laughs> there you go. Nice. There you go. All right, you ready for this one? I am. Oh, that is different. Yeah. That is different. What did you do to this one, Vicar? <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you describe this one? It's like tap water. You think so? Is it tap water? Well, why don't we go ahead and do the the big reveal? So, which one did you like? I like. I think I liked number three the most. That was my favorite. Yeah, one, two, and three I thought were good. There's something funky about this one, though. Okay. So, number one was Aquafina. Ooh, Aquafina. Yeah. I, I would probably put that as uh, number th- three on my list. Respect. Number two was Fiji. Fiji. Yeah, that was good. That was nice. good. This is the one I thought you would like. So, I was guessing it was. Ooh, smart, smart water. water. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Boy, is that a sell, isn't it? <laughs> well, I you was gonna buy some dumb water, but then, and then the last one was Vicar Spit. <laughs> it was our lovely tap water I from knew it. the Toxin Tasting Studios. Right, they still have the lead pipe, so it completely undid the smart water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so now, which one? When you're in the store, which one are you gonna buy? If you're in the gas station, needing some water, Fiji, I think, or the smart water. I like those. Right, the Aquafina didn't have quite the taste. I would say so. So, you know what would have made this better? I know you did like, uh, like the water was a good thing, but four of them, nice. <laughs> now, you, how many podcasts do that for you? Really, we really go all out for the listener. Four waters. You're welcome, listener. Three of them I paid for. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm confused, Pastor. Um, Speak into the microphone. Um, I'm I'm confused. We've had four waters and not one baptismal reference. Well, that's your job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, let's move on before Vicar ruins our show. (laughs) Um, One thing I wanted to do, now normally we have news at Bothersburg, right? Right. And last last time we actually had news to make Berg happy because that was... uh, Right, it bothered me in the good way. Right. Right. So this is something that really bothered me, and I just had to get out of off my chest. Can I so can I just go into this? Yeah, go into it, Pete. If you want to play the intro and say put Bullhagen in there, <laughs> news that bothers Bullhagen. All right, it's time to hear news that bothers Pastor Carl Bullhagen. Okay, maybe you've heard this. This is from uh, uh, Breitbart. I don't read that that much. Do you? Okay. Um, how reputable? Um. Pretty, not very. I don't know, but this is this is a story. It's a. Uh, it's about um. It's it's a hundred and eighty CEOs of companies, right? Okay. Okay, they're really bothered by, um, states and their oh, reproductive. Oh, I did hear about did this. Did you? Yeah, yeah. And 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 this really shows their true colors, right? Yep. So a hundred and eighty companies signed. A statement affirming the importance of reproductive health to equality in the workplace. 
So these CEOs, and when you talk about reproductive health, what are they really talking about? Abortion. Abortion, right? So I want you to to, to think about this. These CEOs thinks it's real. All think for their product, productivity in their companies think it's really important that women who work for them are able to have abortions. Yeah. What do you think they, about that? That, oh, that makes me sad. Boy, that's wicked. That's wicked. That we would rather have people be uh, productive than producing children who are creations of God. And, and All right, Peter, I want to get real for a moment. Real talk. Think of what this tells women. You want to be successful? You want to be productive, woman? Well, then, have an abortion. Think about that. Think of all the money, all the way the company thinks that they would be more productive as long as we have women who can have abortions. Is that pro-woman? To say, think about it. You're a woman, and you want to say, you want to be productive, a part of that company, and they say, well, if you want to be slowed down, less productive, then be a mother. It becomes less about choice and the furthest thing for pro-woman, wouldn't you say? I would say so. In a way, they're saying, you know, our workers having this ability to have abortion will help our bottom line. What's the motivation? Money. Money and greed. So to be productive, deny what your body is made for. A society that tells us you can be whatever you want to be if you're a male. You can be a woman. If you're female, you can be a male. You can be everything you want to be, and you can be successful doing all those things unless you want to be a mother. A mother. And another thing these numbskulls don't understand is this. If you are a Christian who believe that taking of an unborn child is taking the life of a human being, what do these people expect us to do? I think this is part of the states who are having pro-life laws, right? right? So what do they expect us to do? If we believe that that is taking a human life, what do they expect us to do? Not protect it? If that's what we believe, that that is a human life? And then they want to boycott states, a lot of these companies who introduce these laws. You know, I, I think back to how people, I remember as a child thinking about Nazi Germany and how people thought, well, they're so productive. How can that country do all the things that they did? Well, they were able to do so because they killed millions of people and took all their stuff, right? Yep. And so what are these companies and CEOs doing? Not only are they saying, okay, if you disagree with us and you think it's a human life, we will try to ruin you financially. Right. Isn't that exactly what Nazi Germany was doing? Mm -hmm. And so, and by the way, do you know what actually makes people more productive? Having families. Having families. Marriage. Because guess what? You buy more stuff. Marriage makes people more productive. So why don't these CEOs say that if you believe in the institution of marriage, why don't you say that and say then people will be more productive? But they won't do that, will they, Bird? On the bright side, Chick-fil-A will. That's right. And Wendy's has actually has started to donate for adoptions. Okay. So those are two companies that are kind of bright spots in this black hole of grossness. Yeah, but th think about how demeaning that is to women. Right. Think, it makes what it does is is it makes it not a choice. Right. It, it, it makes having a child. It, you know, who wants to be sold on? You're going to be less productive. Our CEO wants you to the ability to have an abortion so that you can keep working. That's not pro woman no. at all. It's uh, it's a new form of slavery. It, it is trying to get women to actually reject what their bodies are made for. Right. And that the greatest gift that God can give us is to be parents, to give us children. So that's what so deans to. So that's what, what what bothered me, and I just had to get off that off my chest right away. I just had to do that. So well, and the other bright thing that hopefully will make you feel a little better is Hungary actually came out and said that uh, families are more important than the economy. Wow. Yeah, isn't that a telling statement, right? Which I don't know. Hungry sounding pretty good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought Hungary and Turkey should join. <laughs> Is that just me? Just one country called Stuffed. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, that brings us to uh, 
uh, my top 12. Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right. I'm really, ex- I'm really happy with this Top 12 list. I really enjoy this one. Nice. So um, last time I did a kind of a service of my, you know, letting people know what my pet peeves are on sermons. Right. Now this week, it's more of a, we have a lot of listeners who aren't Lutheran. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe they, if they want to reach out and get to know some someone who might be a Missouri said Lutheran, where they work. Right. So my top 12 list is the top 12 ways to tell if your coworker is a Missouri Synod Lutheran. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Lay it on me. So one, one actually you brought up one earlier is uh, that I didn't make the list was uh, that uh, they like to eat Chick-fil-A because it supports life. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, but uh, didn't make the list. Number 12. They refuse to go to a meeting unless coffee and bars are served. Yep, that'd be. <laughs> that would be one sign, then no, okay. And, and so, what, listener, you, you want to put these together. And then I think it's not just one. You got to have multiple of these kind of, like I would say, if you have four or five of these. Right, you're probably in the club. Right, right. Number 11. They stare at you before you eat your lunch as though you might get struck by lightning. (laughs) Why would I say that, Berg? Because you didn't pray. You didn't pray. We are very good at praying before meals. And and sometimes it's an awkward look. Okay, we're having lunch. Uh, What are we going to do? Are you going to pray or am I not going to pray? Or am I going to close my eyes and fold my hands and pretend I'm praying? What's going to happen here? (laughs) Number 10. They talk about how much they love their pastor before giving a half grin and saying, but he is a little socially awkward. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that is the truth. All right. How's the list so far, Berg? It's good. I think it it is really checking off the boxes. Is it checking off the boxes? Number nine. They stumble into the office party asking, where's the Budweiser? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, one of the flaws of. <laughs> well, it is the champagne of beer. That's right. Just like this is the champagne of all podcasts. Yeah, I didn't mean don't mean to brag, but I mean we are pretty awesome. <laughs> Number eight. When you ask them when they were saved, they nervously sweat, run out to the car to calm down before they answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Because. You know, when we think of baptism, but a lot of times the question is, you know, when did you make a decision or something? And those generally will confuse right. someone who is Missouri State of Lutheran. Yep. Number seven. They are oddly preoccupied with either St. Louis, Missouri or Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yep. that That's about right. Number six. They try to make bets on behalf of the Baptist co-workers in the office NCAA tournament pool. Uh, to sweeten the odds a little bit. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. So, <laughs> so if you're listening, and so far that's uh, that was number six, so we're over halfway there. If you have like two or three of those in one of your coworkers, they're probably Missouri State Lutheran. This next one's a long one. <laughs> okay. Number five. They accidentally drop, accidentally in air quotes for our listeners at home, a potted fern on the radio that only plays contemporary Christian radio. (laughs) And when confronted, scream out, I can't take it anymore. It's barely Christian, it's not contemporary, and it's theologically weak. And they look like they all got their clothes from the Salvation Army in Nashville. (laughs) That was too long. Nice. Number four. They bring a plate of open-faced sandwiches called funeral cheese that frightens everyone. <laughs> yes, that no. is the truth. Uh, because they don't know what's in it. And uh, another tell is that if you have other people in the office actually eating it, because it's delicious. They're probably Lutherans too. That's right. They're probably Missouri sinners. <laughs> okay. Number three. On casual Fridays, they lament over those who think Sundays are getting too casual too. <laughs> nice. If that happens. They might be Missouri City Lutherans. 
Number two. When you ask what church they go to, they avoid answering because it's been a long day and they really don't want to talk about closed communion. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> All right. Number one. You ready for this? I am. And number one. On May the 4th, when you greet them with, may the 4th be with you on the way to a sales meeting, they reply, and with you, before before finding a seat in the back of the room. Nice. <laughs> nice. I, I mean, as a traditionalist, I probably would have said in with thy spirit, but you know. I, I was gonna add. I was gonna add a, a like a, a side note to that one, but it was getting kind of long. I tested a couple of these out of my wife, and she thought they were all too long. But so, which ones? Which ones do you think really hit home for you? Uh, number one, the funeral cheese one, um, the bars and coffee. Those, those are kind of those are some big ones, right? So, so I like the contemporary worship one. That, that warmed the place where my heart should be, but it's probably not as true as some of the others. <laughs> Unfortunately. I might wish it's true, but it's, it is the way that it is. So if you are a listener at home and you want to, you have some more tells that we can add, we could po- maybe post them on our Facebook page or something, please let us know. Where can they get a hold of us, Berg? Uh, I have no idea. Peter, where can they get a hold of us? Well, we have a Twitter at me, bro. At clerical airs P <laughs> for podcast. Hey, hey, he's learning. That's right. We got all the Twitters, baby. And then uh, Facebook, clerical airs podcast on Facebook. You can email us at feedback at clericalairs.org. Or you can also email us at theology booster at clerical airs. I wish that was a thing. Dot, yo, you know it, what? Is it? It's a thing. It is. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yes. And you know, just for, just for fun, if if you have a question for Vicar to answer real quick, the Vicar app, you can email vicarapp at clericalairs.org. Oh, vicarapp at clericalairs.org also works. Holy buckets. Yeah. This is cray-cray, to use this a technical a, term. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at rickwarrenstinks. At clericalairs.org. We will get that. That is how dedicated we have dedicated an email address for that. So please, listener, if you say you don't know how to get a hold of us, that's a you problem. Yes. That's not an us problem. That's a you problem. You need to get a hold of us. Is that aggressive? That sounded awfully aggressive. (laughs) But you said it with a smile on your face, so it wasn't so aggressive. All right. All right. So is it time for my bodacious blasphemy? I believe so. All right. Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damned illusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. So my heresy for today is one that uh, has plagued the church since really the beginning and uh, um, is... is happening today too. And it's something that I, well, I didn't name this, but it's something called churchianity. So what is churchianity, you might ask? It's any practices of Christianity that are viewed as placing a larger emphasis on the habits of church life or the institutional traditions of the church than on theology and spiritual teachings of Jesus. Okay? Okay. So uh, August Pieper wrote about this in 1919, and he, he actually used this. I was reading some old 20th century stuff. So he said, we have already begun to make of our whole churchianity and Christian life a matter of form inherited with no effort from the fathers and are about to keep the shell and to lose the kernel, the essence, that is the spirit of faith, of love to God and fear toward God. So that's what we're kind of dealing with today. Okay. So here we go. Do looks mean everything to you? Are you lazy and love to go through the motions without any real thought or feeling to what you're doing? Do traditions trump God's word? Do you care more that something is Senate approved than that it comes from the word of God? Then churchianity just might be for you. Why have your heart close to God when you can just honor him with your lips? With churchianity, you're golden if you have your name on a church membership list. Of course it matters who your parents are. 
even though St. John the Baptist said that God could raise up from these stone sons for Abraham. Just go to your lo local church to get hatched, matched, and then when you are dispatched, you got your own get-out-of-hell free card. Serve as an usher four times a year? Boy, you've sure counted your, your mint and your anise and your cumin. Just give your offerings and show up sometimes, and God will have to love you, right? I mean, it's not like he hates your sacrifices, hides his eyes from your prayers, and hates your obligatory Christmas and Easter attendance, like in Isaiah chapter 1. Make sure you have all the right answers, and you can check all the right synodical boxes. I mean, it's not like you have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, right? Also, why read the Bible when I've got CTCR documents and synodical resolutions? Why judge the spirits, as St. John tells me to do in his first epistle, chapter 4, when the same denominational logo is on the marquee outside? Why hold my pastor to his vows to scriptural and confessional fidelity when I know that he's been synodically approved? On second thought, repent of going through the motions and trusting in synodical princes, which are but mortal. Rather, know that you have a gracious God on account of what Christ Jesus did for you. His gospel enraged the bureaucrats of his day. His gospel led to his disciples' excommunication from the synagogues. He pointed out that God is not pleased by the mere performance of the act, but by a confident, lively trust in the promises of the gospel. This faith, this trust, is so sure and certain that it is willing to lay down its life a thousand times rather than lose the precious promise of the forgiveness of sins. And this faith, this trust, is given by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel and by the administration of holy baptism. Traditions may help and support the preaching of the gospel. Institutions may help and support the preaching of the gospel. But they themselves are not the gospel. May Christ preserve us from churchianity and invoke in us true Christianity by his forgiveness and grace. All right! On fire! Boom. I really like that one today. Because uh, you hear that a lot. You know, how many times that you get the almost, yeah, I did, did a, the kind of the joking, the people who are Missouri Synod in the office and that kind of thing. But, but uh, you know, sometimes people think, you know, I'm saved because we believe certain things or my church believes certain things. Right. It doesn't matter if you believe certain things, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, this was the problem. Like I, I mentioned Isaiah 1 and 1 John 4 and, and some of these other things too, that just going through the motions isn't going to do it for you. Now, while these things can help, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, uh, folding your hands and bowing your head to pray. Those things can help you. They can mm -hmm. be very good for prayer life uh, because the way that your body uh, is, so too your mind can follow, right? Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of people kneel for prayer, and that's awesome, right? But the kneeling itself is not prayer. So, mm -hmm. and we know that from Naaman, right? Mm -hmm. When Naaman was helping his old master in the temple, he bent the knee before the idol. Was he worshiping the idol? No, no, he wasn't, right? He was helping his master. And so that's the thing is that while these things can be helps, they are like, um, oh, a chest, right? A, mm -hmm. a treasure chest, which holds the treasure. But you don't ever want to confuse the treasure chest with the treasure. Right. That's, that's dumb, right? And... In, in regard to Christianity, uh, it can actually be damning. Because uh, what happens is is sometimes people get the cart before the horse and say, we're here to preserve the church. You know, Christ, we're here so that we may be preserved by Christ. Right. And that's the thing. Uh, I've heard it a lot, unfortunately, in some places of the United States where keeping a congregation going is more important than what is preached there. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And that's what this show is is about, right? Mm -hmm. That um, you can see behind the collar, but you can also see what the collar is for. The collar is there to preach Christ crucified. And if your pastor isn't doing that, you should call him on it. You should test the spirits. Mm -hmm. See what he's preaching. What is he teaching? Uh, listen very closely. So... I think, you know, for example, we have uh, universities within our church body. Yeah. I think sometimes we lose can lose sight of why those universities are there. Right. Yeah. For exactly the same reasons I think you're talking about. Right. If we just keep them going to keep them going, uh, then it's like a, a, well, a crustacean, right? Mm -hmm. They've got a shell. And what happens when the shell gets, you know, they get too small for the shell? Mm-hmm. They have to abandon it or die, right? 
Or, you know, if a, if a university is, is pushing their athletic programs above right. and beyond things like professional church work, that might be an issue. Right. Or if they are teaching contrary to the church's confession. Then why are you, why are you serving us? What's going on? Right. Then it doesn't make much sense. And in fact, it's very detrimental to the church because people send their kids to Concordias, to universities, Christian universities, so that way they'll be protected. That mm-hmm. they'll be protected from the malign influences of the world. And and by I don't want to be critical and say that they're not doing that, you know, but I think certainly it's we, something we should always be mindful and hold yeah, all we, of our institutions to that standard. We should always be on guard and we should always be vigilant because men can err. Universities can err. Institutions can err. But God's word never errs. All right. Good talk. Booyah. What do you have to add, Vicar? <laughs> You're awfully quiet over there. Um, uh, yeah. Booyah also. All right. Vicar's on fire today. <laughs> Hey, I want some more water. Let's see. I think I might like, um, yeah, give me, give me a little bit of hit of that smart water, would you? Coming right up. Nice. I should drink more myself. How can uh, half the pastor serve you, Berg? You would like some more? I would. I'll take a little bit of the smart water myself. So. Oh, look at that. Sorry, Vicar, no smart water left for you. <laughs> we have all the tap you want. <laughs> All I, right. for, I forgot. What's next? Um, what are we doing here? I, I what? What are we doing? Peter, what, what are we doing? Uh, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right, we're up for the concentrationally impaired Bible study. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the impaired concentration Bible study. One verse, one verse only. All right, this is Obadiah, verse thirteen. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. So the point is, don't loot and do all that stuff in the day of your brother's calamity. The end. All right. Great job. I do what I can. All right. I didn't lose focus that time. Man, I think we need to get an (laughs) outro for this just to end cap the uh, the verse. (laughs) Because if we can do one just as quick, it's like, all right, it's time for the verse. This is the verse. Yeah, pretty much what the verse says. All right, that was the, that was the show. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we can even start another podcast feed that's just the Bible study. <laughs> it's just like a, yeah. like a 30 second. Bonus, 30 seconds on Obadiah. <laughs> <laughs> We already did the news, kind of. Yeah, so that brings us to Confound the Clerics. Peter, play the intro. Confound the Clerics. So what do we got, Peter? So as mentioned previously, we got emailed from Jeff. I've looked up the words. Uh, He says, great work on the podcast. I look forward to it every week. So the first one he says is, as Lutherans, what does it mean to be mission-minded or missional? How are these terms either used correctly or misused from a biblical-slash-doctrinal standpoint? What does Luther have to say on the mission of the church, and what does this mean for the mission of individual congregations? Okay, well, let's, let's start with the first part of that question. And, and that is, uh, I think there, there is a f- false dichotomy or a, where they say you either have to be theological or missional. Wouldn't you say, Berg, that's... It's always seemed like ever since I've been a kid, it seems like, you know, people are, churches are category, categorized, well, are you missional or are you confessional is the word they say. Right. And uh, and I think that's probably more what you're trying to get at in the question. Wouldn't you say he's, Jeff is trying to get at? I, I think so, yeah. I, and it's un, it's an unfortunate dichotomy because it sets two things apart that should never be, that should never be put apart. The theology is what drives the mission. It always has to drive the mission. Because mm-hmm. why would we love other people unless we knew that God loved us first in Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, why would we reach out and want to tell people about the forgiveness of sins uh, if we don't understand how much we've been forgiven and how much we've been reconciled 
to God. And, and if you're not missional, if you're not trying to get the message out, that says something then about your theology, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it kind of is, a lot of times is law-driven, right? Like you hear the stories about pastors who, you know, right? And every time they snap their fingers, a soul goes to hell or something like that. And really, uh, what does it do? It puts all of the burden on the people who are reaching out. And uh, it really destroys consciences and burdens them, right? Like, well, if we're not growing at a certain percentage, um, there's a problem with us. Um, But that shows a lack of confidence in what the Holy Spirit says Mm -hmm. and what Jesus says. Uh, We might be the instruments, but it is the Holy Spirit who calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies people, the ungodly, and brings them into the church. But I think it's been—it's always been a kind of a delicate balance in the sense of there's an idea that that if you are over overly concerned about theology, then your this theology can stand in the way of being missional, right? And and I don't think that's the case in the sense that people. I remember reading a study where it talked about people who were unchurched um, and why they joined a particular church. Okay. And uh, it was a study, so it wasn't like a study of why people joined a church from a different church. These are people who were not a part of a church for a long time, and then they found a church and they joined it. What was it about that church that they joined that church? And do you know what the top two reasons were? I think I've, I, I vaguely remember this I think this we've study, talked about but, this before in, um, in our own personal discussion. But it's not music. Right. People, when I ask that question, people say, well, it's might be worship style, you know, it might be programs, it might be what it could do for the kids or all those things. You know what the top two were? Number one was it's biblical teaching. Mm -hmm. And number two was the preaching, biblical preaching. Right. So it was its theology and its teaching and preaching of the word. And uh, that is what people, by a wide margin, why unchurched joined a particular church. And what does that suggest to you? It suggests to you that for those people, theology and mission were the same. Right. That is what was impactful for them. Because especially if you're thinking long term, you know, if you're thinking long term, what's going to sustain them in the faith? If the Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God, you you give them the word and it's clear teaching uh, as much as you can so that if the Holy Spirit is calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us then that is how he's going to continue to use it through those means. And so to say that one over another, you know, there in our church body, that is always a constant battle. You have one group that focuses on one and one group that focuses on the other. And I think too, and uh, I, okay. it, it shows a degeneration in us. And it's something that we need to pray about and actually repent of because uh, we, we've kind of fallen into this uh, false uh, dichotomy, like you said, um, between the eggheads and the doers, right? Basically, and that is not the biblical model. I mean, you look at um, Ezra, right? Mm-hmm. Ezra, is, Ezra is a great teacher of the law, and yet he is a—he's also a doer, right? He travels hundreds of miles and rebuilds uh, the temple and the like, right? Uh, Jesus himself is a very missional preacher, and yet we could say that he's the best theologian ever because. <laughs> You know, he speaks of what he knows. And, so. and, and what I was going to say is this, is I do think that to a certain degree, each side keeps each other honest a little bit. I, I would agree. Where, you know, where if, if you had one group dominate the other group, you know, each side, one side helps us keep, okay, we need to, to, to do what we can to reach out to people. The other side says, we, knew we, we need to do what we can to keep the theology biblical and good. And and uh, and so in a way, it's almost like a checks and balances where yeah, the, we help keep each other honest. That the way. gifts need to work together. Yeah, you know, and that's a very important thing. And, um, and so some churches and some pastors are really get good at one, and right. we take that as a blessing. Some people are more gifted on the other, and that's a blessing. And rather seeing it as an antagonistic, you know, you've got it wrong. You need to be more like us, and more of hey. What can we learn from each other and work together? Right. The better. Because it, it's not mutually exclusive. You need both. Right. 
And how does this play out in a congregation? I mean, I think to tell people that when they're reaching out, they're not just trying to save the lost, but they are also glorifying God. That is always the first commandment, right? That mm-hmm. we fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Sometimes I think people almost get so consumed with saving the lost that then they blunt the message of the gospel mm-hmm. and the law. And that's a problem. If you are uh, doing a seeker-sensitive sort of deal to try to reach the lost, um, really what you're ending up doing is giving them a mutilated gospel. And that's a, that's a big problem. Because God's name, I mean, that's that's the first petition in the Lord's Prayer, right? Hallowed be thy name, mm-hmm. right? God's name is hallowed when we teach according to the word of God, right? And live holy mm-hmm. lives according to it. And then, and then at the, the close of that, that question, Jeff asks um, about uh, what, what does Luther have to say? I think, I think uh, we, the best way to look at what does Luther have to say, well, he wrote the small catechism. Right, which we quote a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, where where he talks, what kinds of things that he talk about? He says, "Well, one is um, remember the Sabbath day, <laughs> right?" And the other thing that I would encourage congregation members to do is be confident, trust that the Holy Spirit will work through your stuttering words, and even if it's not very good what you say, the Holy Spirit can and does work through it. And just be bold where you are in your station in life. Talk to your friends and your and, and your. Uh, uh, coworkers and the like. Talk to the people whom God has placed in your way. And and by the way, use your pastor. Right. If there are questions you don't know how to answer, then say, hey, those are good questions. Can we talk to my pastor about that? Right. I mean, that's what Andrew did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter was like, well, who's this guy, right? How do you know he's the Messiah? And Andrew said, come and see. You know, And he brought one of the greatest preachers of the Christian faith your number one apostle, right, <laughs> to the faith, right? If you don't know what that means, you got to listen to the other shows, man. Right. So um, that's the thing. I, I just, you know, just everybody needs to, I think, relax, trust that God's word does the work, speak boldly and confidently. And, 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 and it's a habit, right? It's actually the more you do it, the easier it's going to be to reach out to people. And, and I think, too, the more you can, can think about this, that ultimately we all want the same thing. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I, you know, I would be really surprised that, you know, anybody would say different. Because uh, that's one thing. I'm. By the way, I'm going to go to our, our convention this summer, and uh, I hope to do some some uh, some episodes from there, some brief while I'm there. So if you have any questions and want updates on the on the convention while I'm there, let me know. Email us, and, and uh, you know how to get to us. We gave you lots of options um, of uh, what kind of things you would like to know about the convention, and I will try to do uh, what I can to answer those questions or at least find out. So please use that. And uh, and uh, and going back to the make sure we want to clearly answer what does Luther say, he talks about the, all of those things in, in the catechism in pretty much every section, you know, in the Ten Commandments. And uh, he used the the cutting edge technology of his day, mm-hmm. the printing press. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of what I guess you know we would consider ourselves to be confessional, but that's part of the reason for this podcast too, right? Mm-hmm. We're using the the mediums that are available to us uh, to preach and teach God's word to people who don't know it. Right, right, and and I and I was going to say that uh, the catechism is is missional. It is, you know, the uh, baptism. You know, how does one enter the church? What did the apostles preach when when believers were brought to faith? Right. You know, to, to baptize. The Lord's Supper, where you're, you're feeding and you're feeding people Christ. The office of the keys, letting people know that they are forgiven from the voice of Christ himself. You know, all those things really are missional. The Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies us. What is he doing? That is all missional. Right. And the mission isn't just out there. I think, you know, don't you see in a lot of parking lots where it's like now you're entering the mission field? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's actually incorrect. It should be on both sides. Yes. The mission field is actually also in the church because not everybody in the church believes. Right. It is a mm-hmm. it, it is a mixed body of believers and unbelievers. And that's a good point, because sometimes, you know, I talked about sermon pet peeves. Sometimes you can talk so much about mission without realizing 
in a sermon, especially talking about about mission without realizing, okay, the people here need to hear forgiveness. Right. And so, and so, uh, that's a good point. Well, thank you. Do you have anything to add? We, we really appreciate the question and keep them coming. And, uh, we'll look forward to dealing with uh, the second, your second question next time. So, uh, thank you, Jeff. Like we say, whenever we hear feedback and have questions, uh, we say we well, actually get really excited we about do. it. I mean, we it's do. pretty awesome. It's for people like you that we do this show. So, and fifty-three-year-olds. Yes, especially fifty-three-year-olds. Right. And by the way, if you're a second or third responder, the show isn't for you. <laughs> unless <laughs> that you're was last episode. Unless you're a fifty-three-year-old second or third responder, then you know you've got two shows dedicated to you. Wow. So, uh, if you know anybody who's a fifty-three-year-old second or third responder, let them know. Point them out to the show, please. <laughs> They're not forgotten. That brings us to our sticky notes. Do you remember when this happened? Number four. They bring a plate of open-faced sandwiches called funeral cheese that frightens everyone uh, because they don't know what's in it. Another tell is that if you have other people in the office actually eating it because it's delicious. They're probably Lutherans too. That's right. They're probably Missouri sinners. Uh, and how about this yeah we got an email from jeff he's drinking a prairie session ale called bomb what 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 does it have in it i don't know the label is too small to read he put it in the email peter look at the (laughs) look at the end of the email the writing the words what am i a vicar Sticky note. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. What about this? Where can they get a hold of us? Well, we have a Twitter. At me, bro. At Clerical Airs P. We got all the Twitters, baby. And then uh, Facebook, Clerical Airs Podcast on Facebook. You can email us at feedback at clericalairs.org. Or you can also email us at theologybooster at clerical errors. I wish that was a thing. Stop. Yo, you know it, what? Is it? It's a thing. It is. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yes. And you know, just for, just for fun, if if you have a question for Vicar to answer real quick, the Vicar app, you can email vicarapp at clericalheirs.org. Oh, vicarapp at clericalheirs.org also works. Holy buckets. Yeah. This is cray-cray. You can email us at rickwarrenstinks at (laughs) clericalairs.org. We will get that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening. I am Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And Vickers here. May your fruitcake always be sweet. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.